last summer, Jody and I had um, a gripping uh, mountaintop experience. Uh, to be honest, we sort of stumbled onto it. Uh, we were at a friend's condo in uh, Copper Mountain, Colorado, and one day we just decided, spur of the moment, to uh, take a day trip to Aspen. And we had heard it was really nice, and we also heard it was close to uh, the most photographed site in Colorado called Maroon Bells. So we loaded up the rental SUV, which was, by the way, a free upgrade to a large SUV from a midsize SUV. Uh, keep that detail in mind. It's an important one. And I launched Google Maps that points us south on Highway 24 to a little town called Leadville, and then to uh, Highway 82. And as we were navigating, it was just a beautiful drive. It was a lot of fun. All of a sudden, I started seeing these interesting signs on 82 that said, Highway 82 closed from October to May. And I thought, well, that's interesting. It's not October. It's July. I'm good to go. And so we keep going and, and notice some more signs. You know, Highway 82 closed October to May. And I thought, well, that's interesting. I, I don't know why it's closed. And then all of a sudden, almost as if a, a switch flipped, the, the highway started getting just narrow and narrow and narrow, and all of a sudden the, 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 the sides of the mountain became steeper and steeper and steeper, and we got to such a place where there wasn't even uh, guardrails. They just didn't have any room to put guardrails. I, I, I'm petrified by this point. I look over to Jody. She is praying like I've never heard prayer. I'm not Pentecostal or anything like that, but I, I, it, was, it was an amazing experience. And what I'm trying to do while she's praying in, in, in ways I've never heard, I just basically say, try to say, Lord, please keep me from hyperventilating. Because I'm, I'm wondering if I need to start blowing in a bag or something. Because I really thought this big, oversized, too big SUV that had wheels that felt like they were on beach balls by this time. I just felt like we were going to tip over and just go tumbling down the mountain. And the thought that was running through my head is, here I am, I'm going to die. The two of us are going to die in a fiery crash rolling down off this mountain because of stupid Google Maps instead of me just talking to locals and finding out the best way there. Well, we finally made it. Uh, to Aspen, even though I will honestly say uh, some of the most important things in my life just started flashing by, you know, my eyes. And Jody and Alex and Margo and, and our dog Marley and the national starting rotation, Scherzer and Strasburg and, and oh, and you guys too, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Um, but we made it. But I'm telling you, uh, when we got, and Maroon Bells was, by the way, it was absolutely stunning. That's actually a, an artist rendering, but the, the, the place was absolutely stunning. Uh, and we did find another way back uh, to Copper Mountain uh, through Highway 70, because had there not been another way, I was going to call Enterprise and tell them to come get their car, and I was going to get airlifted back to, to Copper. I'm never going to ride that road again, ever. I promise me, never, ever. So, our text today features a mountaintop experience that left Peter, James, and John just absolutely lying face down on the ground and really afraid. However, unlike me not wanting to drive Colorado 82 again, this episode eventually, over time, after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, their mountaintop experience became portable. It became an experience that they took with them wherever they went and an experience that strengthened and increased 
their faith. If you will, turn or launch your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17, uh, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 9. Matthew chapter 17, uh, verses 1 through 9. This is a text that's called the Transfiguration. It reads like this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. What a powerful mountaintop experience. Jesus takes his inner circle, which was made up of Peter and two brothers, James and John, uh, up on a high mountain. By the way, if Jesus had an inner circle for his journey, if he had a few close friends, then we also need an inner circle for ours. We need a few close friends that will help us in our journey of faith. Uh, last week in, in worship, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go online and, and check out the message. But we, we explored different ways that God grows us. And that God grows us through, through study. And God grows us through service. God grows us through struggle. And God even grows us through suffering. God also grows us through synergy of being able to, to walk the journey of faith with other Christians. And here we see Jesus having this inner circle. We are the same way. We need people close to us. Our men uh, just got back from a retreat, and we focused on this idea of having allies, uh, people that will partner with us in the journey. Jesus had these three, Peter, James, and John, for this moment. Biblical scholars are not exactly sure uh, which mountain they were on. It was either Mount Tabor or Mount Hermon. Most believe it was Mount Hermon, which rises all the way up to 9,100 feet above sea level. Now, not quite the mountain I was on. Mine was a little bit higher, but anyway, they were up there. And both of the mountains have stunning views, just stunning views of Galilee. But here's the deal. They weren't looking at the vista because what they saw that day exceeded the beauty and the power and the glory of any mountain. They saw Jesus transfigured. Transfigured simply means his outward appearance changed. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became like white light. The glory of the Lord was on him. This Jesus, this Jesus who was God in the flesh, this Jesus that Peter, James, and John had walked with and they, they had seen him eat food and they had seen him sweat they had seen him get tired and need to take a nap they'd seen his 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 sandals and and his feet get all dusty this Jesus that they saw that looked just like you and me now for the first time 
They see him in all of his glory. They see him as he was, as the pre-existent Jesus before he came to earth and as he will be when God calls all things to an end and the exalted Jesus who is reigning over all things. Revelation 1.16. Let's see if these words sound familiar. In his right hand, he held seven stars and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all It's brilliance. That's how he's going to look one day, and that's how he looked to them on the mountain that day. Who he was on the inside, God in the flesh, member of the Trinity, who he was on the inside became visible in that moment on the outside. What a mountaintop experience. But that's not all. Moses and Elijah appeared with Jesus as well. Moses represented the law of God. Elijah represented the prophets of God. It was as if they were affirming the glory and the kingship of Jesus in that moment. So Peter sees all this. Peter sees this incredible, supernatural, stunning experience on the mountain that's worthy of of all worship. And Peter does what men do. Peter says, I guess we just better build something. (laughs) You know, when in doubt, if you can't think it through, just start building something, right? I guess we better build tabernacles or we better build shelters or whatever he's doing. But Peter, you know, bless his heart, as we, we would say where I'm from, is he was just simply trying to memorialize the moment as if you could ever put in concrete terms that experience in the middle of Peter's chattering God, the God of the universe, God Almighty interrupts him and uses very familiar language and he affirms and he endorses Jesus just like he did at the baptism. Maybe this sounds a little bit familiar to you and he quoted Psalm 2-7, this is my son in Isaiah 42-1, with him I am well pleased. Peter, James, and John hit the ground face down in flat out fear and trembling. Now, don't miss what happens next. In their fear, in their terror, in their trembling, Jesus in all his glory, Jesus in all his divinity, he goes over and he touches them. He touches them and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And what happened when they looked up? They saw no one but Jesus. No one but Jesus. Moses and Elijah, they were gone now. And that's what they would have wanted, by the way, because that's what they did. Moses was just a prophet, a powerful prophet, or or, or the giver of the law, and Elijah was a powerful prophet. That was their job in the first place, to point people to Jesus. But don't miss this. When you are afraid... Jesus is there. When you are afraid, he will come and he will touch you and reassure you and tell you it's okay. And you can get up. And when you get up and and when your eyes are focused and all you see is Jesus, you will stand up in the middle of your fear. You will. You will be able to stand up. Are you afraid of something or of somebody 
this morning? Will you let him touch your heart and stand you up in the middle of your fear? Well, for Jody and I getting off of the mountain that day, it wasn't pretty and it wasn't easy, but the Lord got us off the mountain in that oversized, no good SUV. And it led us to seeing something stunning and beautiful that I can easily picture in my mind. And now it brings back wonderful memories, the end and when we got there. But don't get me wrong, I don't ever plan to drive that road again because the Lord also provided the other route. And I trust the Lord's other route. So what do we make of this mountaintop experience of Jesus and how it can become portable in our everyday lives? What does it mean for us today? The mountaintop experience, when Peter, James, and John saw Jesus in all of his divine glory, means that they saw his, his utter otherness. That's the only way I could just come up with, with a phrase that, that just could capture this for me, his utter otherness. Yes, when he came to earth, he took on flesh and looked like any other man except in this moment. And what thunders down the mountain of his transfiguration was not that Jesus was just a godly person, but that Jesus was God. That's what thunders off of the mountain that day. He was not just a lawgiver like Moses, and he was not just a prophet like Elijah. He was, and he still is God. The writer of Hebrews captures it so beautifully in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, when he writes, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact, somebody say exact, exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. They saw God. And that is what they saw on the mountain that day. As Christians in the world today, no, we may not get a glimpse of Jesus like this, but when we open our hearts to Jesus, it means we have come to that place where we've said, yes, we believe he is the son of the living God. He is the son of the living God. He is the way to the father. He is the truth of the father. He is the life of the father. C.S. Lewis said, really, when, it, when you boil it all down, you can really only have one of three opinions about Jesus. One of three. Either Jesus was a liar and he went around telling people he was the Messiah and when he really wasn't. Or Jesus was a lunatic, he was crazy, he thought he was the Messiah and he went around telling people. And by the way, there are all sorts of people who claim they were Messiah in Jesus' day. Or he is Lord. One of the three. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Stay with me. If you believe he is Lord, then this belief and this revelation from God should completely and thoroughly upend your life and completely and thoroughly alter your worldview. You just don't see the world in the same way anymore. He becomes the lens through which you interpret life 
itself. Michael Wilkins wrote, if Jesus truly is the Son of God, which the events of the transfiguration declare him to be, then it demands that we view everything through his ordering of the world. All of the world's ideologies must be examined in light of the revelation of Jesus that we see on this mountain. There cannot be religious pluralism that makes all ways to God equally valid. There cannot be scientific materialism that accounts for the origins of life or the explanation of reality apart from God. There cannot be Marxist dialectical or historical materialism that accounts for a progress of history through class struggles. There cannot be social objectivism that elevates the individual whose egoism and genius prevail over altruism, social conformism, and sacrifice for others. Our view of the world will be transformed when we place Jesus, the Son of God, at the center of our reality. And not only our ideology be our ideologies, but also our daily priorities and values must be evaluated in the light of Jesus' revelation. After all, the Father said, listen to him. This means how we spend our time. Is he the Lord over how you spend your time? How we live in relationship with others. Is he the Lord of your relationships? How we spend money. Is he the Lord over your money? How much and what kind of entertainment we consume. Is he the Lord over your entertainment? The respect we show our spouse and our children and our neighbors and the stranger. Is he the Lord over how you engage others? How we treat the environment, the world that God made. Is he the Lord over how you view this? How we engage in community and civic and political life. Is he the Lord over your politics? How you view politics and how you communicate your politics. Is he the Lord over these things? Is he a Lord over what you tweet and what you like? Right? If he is Lord, he is Lord over all of these things. And the mountain not only changes your worldview, but it goes with you everywhere you live, you work, and you play. It's a portable mountain. And then there's the mountain and the mission. When God's voice said, this is my son, with him I am well pleased. This is a reference to what is called the suffering servant in the book of Isaiah, which is a glimpse of the mission of Jesus to go to the cross to die for the sins of the world and to rescue humanity. Yes, even as we see all of his glory that day on the mountain, we cannot see his glory without seeing his cross. And we cannot see the cross without seeing his glory. N.T. Wright has written beautifully about the relationship between the mountaintop experience of the transfiguration and the hilltop experience of the cross of Jesus. There are parallels and there are contrasts. For example, he writes, here on the mountain, the transfiguration. Jesus is revealed in glory there on a hill outside Jerusalem with the cross. 
Jesus is revealed in shame. Here, his clothes are shining white. There, they have been stripped off and soldiers have gambled for them. Here, he is flanked by Moses and Elijah, two of Israel's greatest heroes. There, he is flanked by two brigands representing the level to which Israel had sunk in rebellion against God. Here, a bright cloud overshadows the scene. There, the darkness falls upon the land. Here, Peter blurts out how wonderful it all is. There, Peter is hiding in shame and denying he even knows Jesus. Here, a voice from God declares that he is the wonderful son. There, a pagan soldier says, yes, this must be the son of God. The mountaintop explains the hilltop and vice versa. We need to see the glory in that cross. And we need to see the cross in the glory on the mountain that day. At the end of the day, my friends, this story is about the power and the love and all of the beauty of God in Jesus. We're called first to be rescued by him. We are his mission And we are called to listen to him, follow him. And in so doing, let him change the way we see this world that he so desperately loves. My prayer is that you have seen Jesus for who Jesus really is and that this incredible glimpse of his glory is portable in your life, that the mountain becomes real in the mundane, right? that the mountain becomes real in the mundane reality of life. So a gentle question for you this morning. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Do you think he was a liar and not really who he said he was? Do you think he was a lunatic and believed he was the son of God, but only fooling himself? Do you think and believe he is the Lord? If you believe he is the Lord, and I hope you do, then you must listen to him and follow him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, we ask that you would continue to give us glimpses of who you are. Lead us, O God, to capture a vision of Jesus like we've never captured before. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to bow our hearts and our minds to him. Let him do his good and mighty work in our lives so that you may receive glory, so that we may be blessed, and so the world that you desperately love will turn and praise God Almighty. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.